It's the story of two lovely poachers who were brought up in a very complex world. One has skin just like Coco, brown and pretty. The other one's got curls. Till the one day that these poachers got together, they started talking about their poacher strife. They decided that they would start a podcast so we could hear about the poacher life. The poacher life. The poacher life. So we could hear all about the poacher life. Charlene! The poacher life! Hi, Kat. It we is the poacher life. are back in the same room at the same time. I know. Things are just going to come to a... It's earth shattering now. And this is the Dirty Dozen right here. This is Episodio Doce. Oh my God. I forgot that we were at 12 already. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. What are we going to do for our year anniversary? I know. <sighs> we have to do something amazing. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to start planning that two days before we... <laughs> <laughs> at least two days before we record. <laughs> this is the Pocha Podcast. I am Kat. I am Charlene. And I'm happy to be finally back in Crucis, resting after work in the works over in Santa Fe. He's got stuff that he needs to do. Don't give him that and look. And it's all wrapped in plastic. All of it is wrapped in... You know, you were just munching on popcorn just like five I seconds ago. I respectfully put it away. <laughs> we started recording before that, so I'm going to put that out there in the world for people to hear how much you like I your love popcorn. popcorn. Mm-hmm. Give me all the palomitas. It's my favorite. So what is new and going on in our pocha world? What is? Coronavirus is hitting. So what we did tonight uh, when we uh, got together to do the pocha podcast recording, we had a corona and yes. some Asian food. Because Tell us why, Kat. There are some folks out in the world who thought that drinking corona would get you the coronavirus. Um, and... People are no longer, well, I shouldn't say no longer, but there's a lot of people who are not going to um, Asian restaurants anymore because of the stigma around the coronavirus. Can I just tell you that when I first heard that people were connecting this with Corona beer, I was losing my mind about how ridiculous and idiotic that sounded. And then it turns out Corona's sales have actually gone down like a giant percent. Um, My sister was telling me that in Chicago, the mayor held this big, everybody let's go to Chinatown thing because their business had dropped by over 50%. So people en masse are of this mentality. So... It just really, it, it sort of terrifies me and it brings me to um, A, racism and B, do you remember that movie Idiocracy? Shoot, I do remember it slightly. It was a Bill Maher movie, right? Wow, that just got way deep. I don't know. Okay, Is that, keep going. <laughs> that's like when you tell me, it's on the east side of the, do I look, I, I'm not a fucking compass. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No. Um. It was the one where everyone had gotten so idiotic, as it were, that they were trying to water plants with this Gatorade-type drink, and it was, people had just been dumbed down to the point that people were barely surviving. That is where, I I didn't know it was a documentary at the time, (laughs) (laughs) and now it scares me. 
but this is not the first time that our country has done this. So a million years ago, which is still in the 1900s, um, people who were coming over from Mexico had to be like fumigated. Now, I don't remember quite with what, but they did have to get fumigated when they were coming over um, and crossing the bridge. But yes, this is not the first time that idiocracy mm. has happened yeah. in our country. So that's what's going on, at least as of late. Um, and that's why we had some Corona. There's no, four, I didn't get a 40. I got a 24 ounce. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got some sushi and had familial sushi. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Special K who doesn't like, Special K and one of our daughters does not like sushi. They had the alternative meal. They had the alternative. So it was kind of a little bit of a mishmash, but we did our best to help uh, the economy in the area to, sure. with with uh, ate some Asian food. And you don't have to force me to eat Asian food. Not at all. No. <laughs> not at all. So or other- drink Corona, as it were. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so tonight, what we're going to be talking about. Um, that aside, that's what's just going on in our in our time frame right now. But the show itself. So we're going to be talking about, because this is March and it's Women's History Month, we're going to be doing a few unsung heroines, unsung Latinx heroines from around, well, I mean, around Latin America. Although I, when I was doing some research on this, there was, a, there was a couple people that they put in the Hispanic load that were like, from Spain, like, no, boo, no, that doesn't, that doesn't no, that's like Antonio Banderas playing Zorro. No, that shouldn't happen. Um is assimilation selling out? But the reason that we picked this for one of our segments is because we're also going to be talking about the show on Netflix called Hentified. And this is your early warning. Yes. We're going to have some spoiler alerts on the show. So if you need to pause and go freaking binge this show because it's really good, pause. I, I'm not going to take any offense. Go binge the show and then and then pick up where you left off so that we can we can talk about Hentified in our Guy de Nuevo. Yes. Welcome back to Pocha Podcast oh. in person, Kat. It feels so good to be back home, not gonna lie. The only thing I miss is humidity. Don't give me that look. Humidity's a good thing. I came back and my entire body was itchy. It's because you eat chicken bars. I told you. <laughs> you eat dehydrated chicken and your whole body is going to go seca and you're just going to be a chicken bar yourself. It's carne seca for a reason. Don't give me that look. So the backstory to this is while I'm working in Santa Fe for the session, um, you don't have a lot of time to go and have you know lunch somewhere. You're usually, you're usually in a in a hard awful chair right outside of one of the committee rooms and you're trying to shovel it in your mouth super quick before a committee hearing starts and so what I had learned from my first session was pack one of them little epic uh, sriracha chicken bars and just eat that eat some almonds have some water and then go on about your day and that's what I call the legislative diet because I kid you not I, I lose like 10 pounds being up there that's crazy I yeah I uh, I'm not a fan of the chicken bar and in fairness I haven't tasted it just the whole concept of it I I don't mm-hmm. I will have you know not related to you saying anything but one of our city council members took a picture of the epic bar it wasn't a chicken it was like bison I think mm-hmm. she took a picture and sent it to me and said um, you got me hooked so there you have it if it's endorsed by one of our Las Cruces city council members well. <laughs> So Women's History Month, March. Yeah, we get a whole month. 
to celebrate <laughs> it's not even- our historical contributions to life. Literally <laughs> giving life. Welcome to Women's History Month. <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, it seems so absurd. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Women's History Month, um, and kind of what got us on this on this path, this is the 100th year of white suffrage, right? And um, I say that, and I'm explicit about that, because when we're looking at voting rights for women who were able to vote beginning 100 years ago, it wasn't for brown women. As a matter of fact, in the 1960s, there was still difficulty allowing black women and black people to vote. So suffrage being here for 100 years and the celebration on it, which got me started on this path anyway, um, it, you know, I was a little, I was a little upset when there were some celebrations across the state that were not, yes, people had mentioned it, but it wasn't, it wasn't with the real full weight of saying like, no, but really not everybody had the opportunity to vote for all of these 100 years. Um, so when we were talking about the mm-hmm. show and we started off on that, that point of like, Hey, it was some things that we should talk about that came up for me in addition to the women's history month and just like, okay, so who are some of our unsung heroes? And that's, that's at least what got me on this path. Charlene? I just do what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, get me another beer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of our, our, our unsung heroes, and I say this because, yes, people know who Dolores Huerta is. Yes. And can I just say, I'm going to do a segue right here and say, was it Red Book Online that was doing a bunch of... Um, that was doing a bunch of Latinx uh, heroines. I think it was 2019. Oh, it was September 2019. But it wasn't just Latina. And they had Dolores Huerto. And I was all, fool. At least spell it right. Right? Well, Dolores is originally from, um, not Albuquerque, I'm sorry. She's originally from New Mexico. Yay. And she doesn't get as much credit for the Farm Workers Union... Um, and the and the, the movement and the movement, movement the mm-hmm. whole movement around farm workers that Cesar Chavez does or did sure. may he rest in peace so yes we have that one but she's unsung because really she was more of a driving force than she's ever given credit for and of course she's from New Mexico and she's one of the better known Latinas right that have made some significant political or otherwise contributions so even in her recognition it's highly undervalued compared to her male counterparts for sure so we gave each other the uh task to find some some latina that even we didn't know about beforehand perhaps and talk about it a little bit just to share the brown love so what'd you find so okay first i cheated how did you cheat (laughs) because even okay, though if it's she's... not a brown person that you, you just qualified. Boo. No, I didn't cheat that way. One of the unsung heroes that I have listed is actually someone we know and who's recent, but she's unsung, uh, I would say, in her decisions that she's done for the Supreme Court. But Sonia Sotomayor, mm. who uh, is the first Latinx person and the third woman to be on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And all of the women... With the exception of so all of the current women are from New York, for either from a borough or from New York City. 
Um, but the first female, of course, is Sandra Day O'Connor, who is from El Paso. Just going to put that out there. But Borderland. So, <laughs> so Sonia Sotomayor is on my list. Yay. Um, and she does have a biography out. And, you know, if you have an opportunity, go out there and read it. She's just an amazing human being who has overcome a lot mm -hmm. to be where she's at. But she's one of the ones that I have. And when I was doing some research, saints came up, which is really interesting. Aww. Yeah. So who do you have? Well, that's what Latinos do. They're like, if you're a super amazing human, we should just make you a santo. <laughs> I'm just going to slap you right on a vela and be good with it yes that's what i we think do. i think our moms do a lot of because you have to be a uh you have to have some miracles under your belt before you're considered a saint by the pope right mm -hmm. I'm like yeah of course our latinx moms have always been miracle workers because out of like two ingredients and six dollars they feed all 12 of you mm, so that's a miracle that's right every day <laughs> and any leftovers they put in a cool whip uh container in the fridge that's also a small miracle that's recycling miracle <laughs> All right. And um, who do you have? My person was this woman named Silvia Mendez. <gasps> I have her on my list too. Go. Don't lie. You're supposed to pick one overachiever. Okay. But there were so many overachievers. How could you pick just one? Because we literally said pick one. Okay. I, I cheated. Remember when I told you I cheated? That was me <sighs> cheating. This is how Kat gets A pluses and things. <laughs> okay. Go. Silvia Mendez. Uh, so Silvia Mendez. Yeah. She was born like 1936. Uh, this is obviously during the time of segregation, Jim Crow is in effect, and white schools were a thing. They had, people had better educational opportunities in white schools, they had resources, things like that. Uh, and this was not just true of black people, this is true of Mexicans. Mexicans, Latino, and pretty much any Latino went to a Mexican quote-unquote school. Um, so there were certain Latinos that were allowed to go to white schools, if they were light-skinned enough, white-passing enough, they were allowed to go to the white schools. So this little girl, Silvia, is morenita, right? She's dark, and so she gets denied. She's not allowed to go, which is super fucked up and gets, gives us all this these political beginnings of the beauty of light-skinnedness, which we have discussed before. But anyways, um, anyways, long story short, this turns into uh, years of litigation, and eventually she's allowed in and is the first quote-unquote Hispanic uh, to enroll in a white-only school. And this case is actually what paved the way for Brown versus the Board of Education, which yep. was way later in 1954, which put the end to separate but equal um, and in, in theory ended school segregation, which we could, of course, argue still has not actually ended today. Agreed. Um, but... Yeah, this this woman really paved the way for for that, and I had never even heard of her. And as a person who has had to have Brown versus the Board of Education shoved down my throat multiple times as an ex uh, educator, um, it shocked me and made me really sad that I didn't know who she was. So her case was in 1947. Um, her parents brought it forward. It was uh, Mendes versus Westminster. Um, and yes, as you said, that it paved the way for Brown v. v uh, uh, Board of Education. Do you want your gold star right now? No. Or should we? Shh, okay. Shh, 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 shh. All right. So dig this, though. A couple others that made my list. Ellen Ochoa, who was the uh, first Latinx woman in space. And she was also mm. the first Latinx yes. director of NASA's um, Johnson Space Center. Mm. You know, NASA has been, they've been sneaking in these smart ass women of color for years. True, and we just had one pass away, which yeah. was the one who 
my God, I, I don't remember her name offhand. Maybe our executive producer can Google that super quick. But uh, she was one of the ones who helped with math on like mm-hmm. her. Th- this was not calculator math like you and I know. This was like legit on a slide rule and using her fingers, did the math for people who were landing on the moon and trying to get them back in one piece. Um, and she was an African-American woman who just passed away. Catherine Johnson. Mm-hmm. Sin, sin mis lentes, I cannot read that yeah, far. And if, if you haven't watched the movie Hidden Figures, watch it. It's amazing. It is all about that period where she was using her genius to make America look awesome and then just and, sort of faded away into the background. And couldn't even use the bathrooms Ugh. in the same building in which she was working to get human beings safely back onto this little marble. It's such a good movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, pause this. Go immediately run and watch Hidden Figures. Come back. <laughs> the end is homework. You have um, lots of homework this episode. The other one, because you know the queers, um, Gloria Anzaldúa. She was a Chicana Tejana uh, lesbian feminist author. She died in 2004 but she was one of the ones along with oh crap I can't remember her name who wrote um, several books and brought queerness and Latinx queerness into feminism um, for us so Gloria Anzaldúa check her out Um, she's an author of essays poetry all of the things you need to be enlightened so those are a couple of the people that we have for Women's History Month. But also, I just want to say, Charlene, that you're also one of my like unsung heroines because of all that you've done for Crucis, for the organization that I work for, for the organization that I skated with and how we met. Um, so I think, you know, I think you go on that list. Like you're in good company. Sylvia Mendes, Charlene Bencomo, no, no, no. Sonia Sotomayor. Me in those, uh, I, you know, one other person that I did make me think of not me, um, <laughs> is Tanya Sarracho, who is the yes. uh, woman who is behind the show Vida. Yes. And she really has been open about her experience in Hollywood as a writer, as a person in that industry, and, and as a person who's pushing boundaries and demonstrating in a very public forum the complexity of Latinos. Yes. We're not all just... Look at me, I'm exotic and diverse. There's layers and depth and all of this beauty. So uh, I, I definitely would put her up on that list too. So. Agreed. That was a great show that she's doing. They've, they're coming out with season, season three, three soon. Mm-hmm. So again, pause if you haven't seen seasons <laughs> one and two. We're going to be pausing every like five minutes. Yeah, like, basically, we should just make a list of things people need to do before they listen to episode <laughs> 12. We'll, we'll social post all of those things. Yes. <laughs> for your list. So now that we're knee deep, and I know this is the 15th and we've already been, you've probably already seen in your feeds a couple people uh, from Mar- uh, Women's History Month for March that you should be on the lookout for. But now we're trying to give you the brown aspect of that so that you can go in and do some deep dives on some of these folks who have paved the way for different things and made this country better in their own way. Like, hallelujah. And anytime you see someone who you feel is a, a hero in your life, your mom, your grandmother. Bocha podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let them know. Legit, let them know. Yay. I love it. Thank you, Kat. And I, you know, I I it's very difficult for me to take compliments. So if anyone just watched 
listened to me brush off you telling me I, I belong did. on this really high list of people. I'm working on that, and I'm I receive your compliment um, with great emotion. So thank you. <laughs> with great emotion, you're very welcome. <sighs> I'm working on it, man. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. There's a line between humility and self-deprecation and hatred that I haven't quite (laughs) discovered yet. But it is hard. Like if you give a compliment to any of your any of your friends, it no. When you hear shut shut up, up. yeah, right. That's Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens. But learn to just you know what. Even if you're blowing it out of proportion, thank you anyway. It made me feel good for that one moment in time. I just accept it. it. Yeah. I'm working on it. So are you also working on assimilation versus sellout? Because (laughs) Uh, I am not actively working on assimilation, (laughs) but it is happening actively every day or day. I I actively worked on assimilation. uh, Let's see, between the ages of zero and (laughs) (laughs) what's today, right? (laughs) Yes. Just yesterday. And today years old. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Yeah. the, the, The concept of vendida, it's a, it's definitely more on our minds these days i think there are definitely some shows and different media people blogging about it people talking about being a sellout um over the last i don't know a few decades probably and maybe forever i don't know you could be an uncle tom back you know but that's basically being a sellout right 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 so i guess it's been forever and ever and, and what brought this up to our attention for this particular episode is because we were going to talk and are going to talk about Hentified the show. And that kind of brings forth a couple of the things mm-hmm. that are like, what is that fine line between assimilation and selling out? Are they the same thing? Do they cross over? Is it like the Venn diagram where there's like two bubbles that, that mm-hmm. there's a, a, a happy medium in between? Not happy, but if there's a median in between that they cross over one another sure. between assimilation and sellout. And I actually, when I was thinking about this segment, I looked up both words. Sure. And I wanted to see what of both terms, sellout and assimilation, I have done, like examples in my life. Mm-hmm. And of course, this, the assimilation. Oh, I just realized I had a pen because I hit my chest and I was like, what is that? Not a nipple. Wow. The assimilation one, obvious. Like, I, well, first of all, what is assimilation, right? It's, you know, when you're, when your culture and cultural values resemble, start to resemble the dominant. And so the, the biggest way is you lose your language, right? You assimilate into the dominant by losing, in our, in our pocha case, sure. losing our lenguaje. And so I did take a look at like, okay, well, what else have I, what else have I done to assimilate? And that was kind of a little bit difficult to kind of examine and be like, mm. what have I got, what, I, what have I lost, given up in order to resemble the dominant culture? And I don't know if that had the same effect on you, Charlene. Um, no. I, I wasn't going that deep. I don't think about my own life in particular. I was thinking about, in general, my family and what holidays have become oh, right. really significant for us and based on what. And not only the holidays, but the traditions around those holidays, which we've talked about a little bit before, the food and different things like that, how it changes. But what are we missing? 
I know we've talked about Dia de los Muertos and how, you know, maybe we didn't grow up celebrating that and can we reclaim and all of those things. But it, it made me think just in bigger terms about, um, and you and I have talked about this before too, because I, at one point when I was a teenager, um, my mom and I were not getting along and she, I chose to leave her house at 16 and moved in with my father who was not in a position financially or just he he was living the bachelor life I mean he he lived in a little one-room house that he was renting um and there was a, a period of my life where he slept on on the big couch and I slept on the small couch and we had you know one room and a bathroom and a kitchen and that's just where we were and um at that point, I knew it was really different from the house that I came from where my mom was, which is where my, my parents built that house so that we could grow up in it. Very different. Um, not far away because Las Cruces is a smaller town. I mean, several blocks away, but a world away in terms of what it was financially for the people that were in that neighborhood. And that neighborhood is pretty much still the same now. That little house is still there. And, um, obviously now my house, the house that I live in and have, um, I'm feel very fortunate to live in. I, I could probably fit three or four of those houses inside just the house itself, not counting the garage and the shop and all of that. And does that make me a sellout? Um, because I left that neighborhood because it was a goal to leave that neighborhood is that, and it's, I mean, it's not like that's the neighborhood I grew up in and I had community there and all kinds of things. I'm not trying to make it like that. But when we, t- and, and you and I have had this conversation, there's some really awesome historic neighborhoods in and around Las Cruces that um, we were talking about how could we get these OGs that have lived there forever? How can we get their houses to a place where they're not falling apart, where they feel like proud and that they can stay there for another 50 or 80 years or, or pass it down to their family instead of it looking appealing to take money so they could move on to somewhere else and then go live in some condo and somebody turned it into a coffee shop. How do we do that? And would that work? Um, the whole concept of gentrification um, comes in, came into play for me, I think, a little bit more than... Um, I don't know, thinking of ways that I've, well, no, I guess that is me thinking about ways I've sold out. Like, is this house, is where I live, is how I feel comfortable and like I'm stable financially selling out, living the capitalist white dream? I don't know. You went super deep. Oh. That was like all the way down. Damn. When I, when my partner and I have looked at um, housing, I'll admit that's come up for me. I wouldn't, I don't know that I knew what name I would put to it, but I I have told her like, I I don't want to live like in a certain part of, of Cruces. I want to stay in the, in the district that I'm in Mm -hmm. because I want to be around my people. Um, and part of that is, has nothing to do with, you know, quote unquote selling out. Part of that is I, I have recognized it in my life. I live my life very like survival. Like I need to be in the center of town. If my car breaks down, sure. I'm, I can walk to, That's I have real. access, trans, you know, transport, all of those things. Um, and, but part of it really is like, 
I don't want neighbors that don't don't know how to communicate with me, don't know how to get along with me, don't know, don't understand those kinds of things. I don't want to have to pretend to feel comfortable or try to change my comfort in order to feel comfortable with those kinds of neighbors. Like my neighbors right now, you know, one couple across the way, um, he's a Latinx uh, Vietnam, um, mm-hmm. Vietnam vet and his wife live there. And then the guy next door, he's uh, he just bought the house and he's like a bachelor Latinx dude. And then on the other side of us, there's this like evangelical Latinx minister of some sort. Like, mm. I like that. Like, I don't really have to explain who I am or they'll understand some things that sure. I say. And so I totally understand like, tr- you know, moving. And I so do those- not live in the center of diversity. <laughs> and as a result... We don't talk to our neighbors. We just don't. We don't know any of... I mean, we know who they are. Um, it's And so there's a gentleman and his wife who are older, an older couple, and the house that we live in used to be his parents. He grew up in this house. And so they'll, they're very sweet, and, and my husband knows them from, you know, work things and other things, and so they're very sweet, and they'll come and talk to us and walk their dogs over here and whatever. But really... I mean, it, it's pretty isolated other than that. And, and people will wave or not or whatever, but it's not the I'm going to bring you a tray of enchiladas and I'm going to bring your kid a Halloween treat. And it's not that for sure. Oh, we bring our neighbor stuff sometimes, like even unwanted. Here you go. Right. You, you, Larry, you now have some cookies <laughs> that you're going to have to exactly. eat. And and at the at the beginning, I will say I tried doing that like oh, the neighbor likes wine, we'll take her some, whatever. And then that kind of faded. You know, they started locking their gate that goes into their <laughs> driveway. And oh, fuck. I, yeah, it just changed. And we did get some newer neighbors that live uh, near us. And, and they're pretty cool. They're older and super duper white, but very kind. And they have an amazing garden, which put my garden to shame. Like I grew one spaghetti squash. It was like a $900 <laughs> spaghetti squash by the time we watered that shit. And... <laughs> the time I spent out there with the pala trying to make whatever it was dumb I definitely did not have my grandpa's gardening skills but they have an amazing garden so I can't even be like oh it's the dirt in this area no fucker they have a beautiful garden (laughs) with all kinds of damn food so they'll bring us over we brought you some chard I literally had to google what the fuck is chard and how do I make it because I don't even know what that is I had no it was delicious and amazing but I had no clue what the hell that was um so there are people that are that are nice, but it's not the feeling of like if shit went down in your hood, your neighbors are going to be like trying to sneak you out the back alley and shit. <laughs> My neighbors are going to be like me first, bitch. And that's how it's going to be. Yeah. 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 And that, my friends, is gentrification. <laughs> no. Well, I mean... We'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, like you totally went d- like head on deep into the sellout. Like you drove into the nine foot area of that pool right wow, there. see, I didn't think I was going to do that. Welcome to the podcast life where we don't plan these things. They just happen. They just happen. What were what examples were you uh, thinking of from your life? Of selling out? So I can call you a vendida because I really do like that word. It rolls off very well. Okay, so and... S- I will say before I go into this, it's hard to admit 
when you're looking back and you're finding examples of ways that you've sold out, even if it was for five minutes, it's difficult. Sure. Um, so selling out basically, you know, lay, lay this on the table, compromising your principles for personal gain. So basically going against your gente and the ways that I have done that before is when I lived in LA and I, I want to say that I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I did it at the time or that I can look back and see that I did it at the time because I needed to chameleon and fit in. Okay. So when I worked at a, an LGBT organization in LA and at the time I had a different uh, white girlfriend, <laughs> you see a pattern. Um, That's weird. And so the way that I speak was definitely different to fit in. Like how I speak to you, how I talk in my life, there's flavor in there. I bring, you mm -hmm. know, some words that are maybe hood, some words that are, you know, I code switch sometimes, but there have been some situations where I don't bring that out and I, I widify it so that I could fit in. And that, to me, that's like a selling out point because why are you doing it? I'm Welcome doing it because to my paid job, <laughs> <laughs> right? This is true. So yeah, you know, the person that I was dating with at the time, the work that I did at the time, which was, you know, admittedly back then LGBTQ advocacy centered around either HIV AIDS or marriage, which the real reality is like it needed to center around like all, like our daily lives, like mm -hmm. getting just, you know, having money to, to pay your rent is an but LGBTQ you need a focal thing. Point. Right. So to fit into that time and place, I did change my language and how I spoke and how, who I was to, to fit into that moment in time. You were like and to Carlton? Be, in I first was Carlton. Time. Oh my God. Without the <laughs> shitty dance, at least I could dance better. Yeah. And that's just, it's hard to admit. But when I was looking over this segment and looking at what the definition was, yeah, I had to kind of like admit to myself, like, all oh, right, when did I, when was I Vendida in moments in my life? Mm -hmm. That is just, you know. And, and it's difficult because as a person who has seen, success for our people come through various pathways you have your activists who are out taking to the streets and are organizing protests and are organizing shutdowns of systems and all sorts of things and then you see people who are code switching and talking quote-unquote white so that they can sit at the table that is full right. of decision makers so that they can be a voice in that space so people would call that vendida. People would call that selling out. And is it if your goal is to affect change, like play the game to affect change for the people? Because it can't, I mean, to me, it can't all be protests and chanting and we're all going to feel good about ourselves because we yelled a whole lot in the streets. Who gives a shit? Does it matter? Because one can't matter without the other. Does that motivate that person to sit at that table of decision makers? I'd say yes. I'd say they couldn't exist with, without the other. And I don't think either one is right or wrong. I think it has to be multifaceted. We have been oppressed by every angle. We have to take it back by every angle. And that's why you're the smart one. See, how many gold stars did you just get in that? Just right there. I get paid in Prosecco and I get gold stars. <laughs> Thanks. Because uh, I'm a vendida. <laughs> I don't drink tequila. 
it calls me back to my ancestral roots and i <laughs> it's a bad deal i'll get arrested oh yeah well you know <laughs> tequila has its time and place too and and you know and i think about this being so further complicated by the ways that assimilation has made us fight and hate each other mm-hmm. because of the dark skin light skin because the lighter skinned you are we see you don't get arrested you go to nice schools you live in quote-unquote good neighborhoods you have better paying jobs and money's everything so you know let's let's fight for that and and we start to hate each other when we have the same oppressors and it doesn't make sense it it makes it really hard I, I got to have this wonderful conversation with a person this weekend and um, he was talking about having visited, I don't remember what Latin country it was, but people are very poor and, and he was saying, you know, they had nothing, but they were so full of life and love and culture. And I was like, they had nothing based on our standard right based on what we would call nothing right and what have we begun to call having nothing and having everything and what is that rooted in it's ugly to think about what we value agreed but you know this is not a a downer conversation this is just a real raw conversation that i think in the back of our minds as latinx people whether you're first gen in like on my mom's side, I'm first gen in. She was from Mexico. But on my father's side, I'm like mm-hmm. fifth gen in. But in the back of our minds, we have that. That plays out whether or not you articulate it, whether or not it comes with words, whether or not you actually have pros and cons for why you're moving from one neighborhood to another. It, it kind of it plays out. You know it does. And it's mm-hmm. you know just having this conversation and being real with yourself is sometimes it's freeing a little shitty sometimes when you have to look back on it and accept some things but still it's freeing like you you at least understand that where you're coming from and and this is one of those conversations and you're right sometimes we get super serio on the podcast and this is feels like one of those times but as we've discussed that trajectory that your family had begun either one generation ago or you know we've talked about my grandmother was a part of the treaty of guadalupe hidalgo whenever that begun your path was set in motion and however far along the assimilation train track they got that's kind of where they we got on and and here we are based on all of that individual history so judging another latinx person for being wherever they are in that journey yeah we just gotta be a little bit nicer to each other agreed agreed this also came up in a book that i was reading i know Mira, last last episode we talked about books. We're talking about well, I'm talking about a book again. Dodger Blue will fill your soul. Oh so this, my gosh. it's a set of of fictional stories that the author does um, throughout the book that are in and around Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. one of them really stuck out in my mind because it's this this gentleman who's dating this ex chola, and she goes back to her old hood for a wedding, and he is so assimilated that he can't have conversations with these these folks like that's just not what he was raised around not where he was at and so that that story really stuck to me because it was just like wow you can see how Mm -hmm. just that difference of who was raised where and what you go back to and what does it mean when you go back home like if 
you know, if I went to a wedding back in El Paso, what would that look like in mm-hmm. comparison to my day-to-day friends or what have you and how, um, <laughs> that's my phone and that's my mom. <laughs> I'm like, why is Cielito Lindo playing in my head? Oh wait, everyone hears it. <laughs> I love, I love that lady. Now, Aww. now I'll just have to text her back and remind her that I love that lady. Yeah. She's like, why didn't you answer? Right. On the bus. <laughs> Disculpe, señora. I'm a bad influence on you, Charlene. I know. <laughs> but you were a good influence on me. Do you know why? Tell me. Because you told me about Hentified. Oh my gatos. Hentified is so good. So here is your gigantic spoiler alert. If if you've gotten this far in the episode and still haven't seen Hentified, by the end of this, you're going to want to run and see it and we don't want to mess things up for you. So go watch it. More homework. More homework. But it's a good homework. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so so Hentified, yeah, you told me to watch it on on Netflix. I did. So it's out on Netflix. It just came out in February. So it's super new. One of the executive producers is America Ferreira. She mm-hmm. also has a little cameo in there for now. Could become a bigger role. We don't know. Um, and it it's set in Boyle Heights in California. It's um, about a family who there is a younger generation that is growing up with their grandpa and his, he has a taqueria that was previously his him and his wife and she's passed and it's so good you have all the aspects of just gentrification and tradition and language and all of these beautiful things wrapped up in this beautiful of the times latinx show that i love and have you watched it all the way through the end all the way finished okay if you didn't cry especially at the very end the very end got me so the very at the very very end one of the characters is going to have a baby their partner is in the hospital giving birth and um on the way over there grandpa's gonna grandpa's en route to go to to go see the baby and and the and his grandson and um and he's picked up by ice yeah. And that was just difficult to, to, that was just difficult to watch, especially with everything going on. But then exactly. th- the thing is that like, that happens, that just happens. Mm-hmm. It didn't, and this wasn't a before or after 45 no. uh, as a president. This was just, this has just been happening, right? Like some of our gente don't have documentation and they live here and they're successful in the things that they do. And they still get picked up and shipped back. It's just having in, happening in larger numbers, and it's you know magnified in this point in time. But sure. one of the things about this show, so it's this it's the abuelo who has his taqueria, and then he's got three grandkids that that we know of that are part four grandkids that we know of that are part of the the main characters that are there. But mm-hmm. you know certainly that there are there might be others. There's the little sister, the artist. El Güero and El Cholo. And the one that... Not that I... Not that I align myself with him, but the one that stands out to me the most in the terms of 
um, the gentrific gentrification of this character is El Güero. So he definitely is Morenito. No, he's not Güero at all. <laughs> he's no Miklo. No. No Miklo by any means. No. Uh, he's more Benjamin Bratt than he is well, Miklo. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's dark hair, dark skin, um, must, mustache, little goatee thing going on. But they call him Güero because his father had lifted him up out of Los Angeles and took him elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He went to school at Idaho, is, is you know, quote-unquote educated. This is not to say that the other siblings are not. They're just educated in a different way. They have, like, street education that mm-hmm. takes them further. And actually, as we go along, we find out that El Cholo is, like, he fucking reads on the side and he can t- talk to you about these books like nothing, you know? I have to tell you, this, this show, I, I was sort of... I have really high expectations because it had gotten a lot of hype and because vida was so damn good i thought all right they're busting out with another latinx themed show it better bring it first 10 seconds i was in so hardcore because there's this little cholito riding up on his bike like bicicleta not a motorcycle bicicleta to the library and the ladies outside in the bin the metal bin where people would turn it in drop off books or whatever she's pulling books out and he rolls up and he kind of reaches in his back and you could tell she's nervous looking at him thinking what the hell is he pulling out his back and he pulls out a book to hand her and then he asks her you got any more copies of the love languages dude (laughs) i was like yes 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 the tall socks the khaki shorts the white shirt like all the things all the things oh i was in i was like this is the complexity in 10 seconds that i was requiring of this show and to 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 look at vida versus hentified hentified is definitely a comedy like, don't go in there. Yes, there there were some things that made us cry a little bit or got to our feelers, like some of the breakups that happened and whatnot during the 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 duration of the 10 episodes that happened. But it's definitely a comedy. It is not meant like Vida, where, yes, there are, are, are mm-hmm. little pockets of comedy that happen or little, like, witticisms that happen, like when, when they're called um, Warby Parker. Right. Chipster. Chipsters. Mm-hmm. Um it's not Vida is not a comedy by any stretch. It's very much like the life, the 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 corazón, the emotions that play out. The serio, it's very serio in comparison mm-hmm. to Hentified, which is it's very lighthearted. It takes on serious subjects and does a little bit of a light heart to it. It's more one day at a time reboot than it is like seriousness. And, and that's part of the reason that it stuck to me. Sure. I had to get over the first episode. The first episode was like a little bit slow going for me. But after that, I was like full in hmm. with the differences of the, the cousins and how they interact, mm-hmm. their their life stories, being raised. And Boyle Heights, you know, East Los Angeles, which is East Los, like that's the, that's the, um, that's the neighborhood yes but you know it carries its Area, own culture thing i've lost stuff. words they eluded me mm-hmm. um that's that's like the side of town that's got like all the no well you know it's not hollywood it's east los angeles that's where all of the gang life happens oh, and sure. all of that so it has its own character avenida cesar chavez if you have one of those <laughs> that's where all your latinos live do we 
No. <laughs> we did. This is shitty. Why don't we have one? We barely got a Dolores Huerta in Albuquerque mm-hmm. somewhere this last year. Not kidding. You think ours closed? Cesar Chavez? Avenida Cesar Chavez? The Dolores Huerta school. Oh, La Academia? No, it's open. It moved. Oh, it's it did? over here. Yeah, it's over here now. They have beautiful. They have a beautiful little space now. We do have an MLK, which is where they put a lot of the projects in the city. Imagine that. Hmm. Anywho, it's right by us. Don't give me that look, executive producer. It is right by us. Well, on our way back, I'll drive you by. Anywho, not a drive by. <laughs> not drive. a drive by. <laughs> Language is important, uh, but hentified. I. I loved even the first, I'm telling you, the first 10 seconds I was in. Just, I loved it already. The characters are really beautifully laid out. I feel like I know so many of them. I can equate them to a person that I know in my life uh, or have known in my life. And it's really well done so far. I will actually also say that, in yes, the comedy portion is a little bit different between Vida and this, but also the the sexuality that is displayed like i would feel comfortable watching this with a high schooler age kid and talking through things where vida i'd be like nope cover your eyes we're not watching this a little much for that fair yeah no fair it's it's um understood it's not outright it's yes just understood. exactly they still deal with it but it it's not showcased in all of its brown glory but they deal with assimilation and gentrification in its own ways with each of the characters. So mm-hmm. there's, um, and the archetypes are like el cholo, the artist, el abuelo, el abuelo, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the artist is the sellout of whether or not her art, who buys it, and what is she making to make a living, like ma- that, that that turning point in her life of making a living versus who's the purchaser and is does that mm-hmm. purchaser kind of own her right and it happens to be a white guy um el cholo and his is his isn't like an outright his his assimilation is his partner who is having his ba- his baby is getting a job offer and has accepted in san francisco and does he go does he leave boyle heights to go be a dad mm-hmm. with his partner. Um, and meanwhile, the taqueria is not doing well. The OGs that have gone there for years, they want free tacos and burritos. They want to get hooked up because they, they feel like they're familia and they, they're not making money. They're not staying afloat. They can't pay their rent. And, and meanwhile, not only can they not pay their rent, but people are looking to scoop up that property to turn it into some chipster, you know, craft beer slash coffee shop with i don't know chorizo paninis or some shit so they're go ahead i do love how they layer that though yes they layer every aspect of the assimilation in different ways for something as small as assimilating your menu to -hmm. bring in new people to keep your business afloat to even big things like when the artist um, who is she's an amazing artist and and she's living with her mom who's a single mom and has a little sister and she is in charge of taking care of the little sister and her and her mom get into this big blowout about how much or how little she's helping out with 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 the little sister and she tells her mom like didn't didn't you come here to be better like 
Oh, that was huge. That fight between her and her mom was like, it made me cry because there were times that in, in my mind I could totally have seen, um, I could totally have seen having that kind of conversation as like one of my theas with my grandmother, like, didn't you cross the border in order to better us so that I don't have to do this? And that was the basic argument. Right. And the mom is like, you know, yes, but that doesn't, and I don't think she knows how to articulate this in her character. Yes, I crossed over, but that doesn't give you the right to break our cultura and not help the familia first. Right. But how do you articulate that in a way that mm-hmm. allows for your, your child to have their own life well, and and again, back to the capitalism and is wanting more. We have equated wanting more with driving a nicer car, living in a better house, having money to pay your bills steadily and 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 extra, extra, extra on top of it, um, where even art is seen as frivolous because that's not part of survival. We are so in survival mode all of the time and does being in poverty make you more unassimilated like is that our call is our calling to be poor and that means you're still living real can we not make money and live real are we can we not enter into that capitalism or that mindset and be authentic because the reality is if you go back like if my parent if my mom and really even my father's father who's from the state of guanajuato if they would have stayed in Mexico, there's still the people who are rich versus the not rich. Mm-hmm. There's still the the classes, the classism, the the socioeconomicism, the heterosexism, the machismoism. Like it's not like they escaped that coming and that, across and the border. And that's not to say you can live in a hut with the dirt floor and not have. 10 pairs of shoes and not have all of that stuff and be happy and have love and have all of that but is living in the other place vendida is that selling out does that make you less of what and what does that make you less of that's kind of where i'm at with that I, and I don't know. I'm literally asking because I don't know. In my own heart, I, I have not answered that for myself. I obviously don't feel like I have sold out in this moment in my life. And, I, and I'm married to a white guy. And I have a biracial kid. And I don't feel like I've sold out because, and we've discussed this before, but because I tried it the other way. And it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal. The people who look like me have hurt me the most in this world agreed well in my personal situation as well yes so it's tough good night everybody say good night to special k good night special k and okay so but not to be not to be debbie downer about this too you really have to watch the show if you haven't already if we haven't sold you on it oh it's so good it is so good it's funny it's real the the i think the best episode was when <laughs> what el Huero was trying to prove that he was mexican, <laughs> mexican enough and they, test. yeah they had the mexican test which by the way i would totally fail I would have totally failed so it was name five states in mexico and um three three novelas that Thalia has been on <laughs> that was the one I was like oh I don't know I couldn't I'm Guanajuato Chihuahua Jalisco 
Sinaloa. Fuck if I know that fifth one, right? At this Cabo. Cabo. <laughs> Baja California. Baja. Okay. Yeah, I would have passed that part, but novelas, no. no. I know. And then they made the him Ninos. dance. <laughs> that one I would have passed. Amazing. I would have passed that amazing. one. Amazing. And this whole time he's drinking tequila. Which, and he's drinking tequila. And they're scoring him, like right. a la gymnast holding up the 10 card or four card or whatever it is. Hilarious. It's right. so funny. And they do. They bring a light note to very heavy subjects. And obviously one of the reasons I love it is because it was done very, very well. And representation matters. And we see our people, our gente, on the screen in a beautiful, complex way that is just speaks to so many pieces of me and where i've been so and tacos and tacos like that's yes the lesbian who's in the back making tacos is the best she is one of my favorite characters she is my favorite character no doubt. hilarious i love her why are you in my kitchen <laughs> like even just the way she laughs at herself afterwards like all my all my family does it right it's so good if i if i if i was working in a taqueria that would be me um, no, you'd eat all the tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am a taco eater. You are a taco but eater. But I'm on all the levels. I, you know, I don't think we have an answer, Kat. But uh, we, uh, and sh- we shouldn't, and necessarily. We can't. we can't, because for every person, it's a little bit different. And I think as long as we can come to agreement on some of the systems that are polluting our cultura and and trying to take that from us whatever that looks like if we can stand together in that and also respect and appreciate everybody's journey and where they're at in that then we can start to just uplift each other because we have to otherwise we're all going to go down and it's going to be sad too many enemies we got to lift each other up right it's like in blood in blood out bound by honor (laughs) Like the factions have to come together so that they can beat up on the polar bears. How many? See, this is <laughs> when blood in, blood out is your after school special. <laughs> you know, you're a pocha if. <laughs> Kat, this is pocha podcast. This is pocha podcast. We were like your whole, we were a dictionary today. We were your history book today. And we're also your pop culture today. Mm-hmm. You got all of the things in one episode. And you Wait, got me one and- episodio doce. Yeah, and you got us in the same room, which is yay. Yay! So this was the Pocha Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Shirley. And we'll see you on the flip side. Bye. <laughs>